Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toladano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Primetime premium podcasting. PPP. That's what we call it. Primetime premium podcasting. My name is Michael Rappaport, a.k.a. the Gringo Mandingo, a.k.a. White Mike, a.k.a. Bird, a.k.a. the Jake LaMotta of podcasting. Are there any more? The White Chocolatito, I, I mean, it goes on and on and on and on and on. You know what it is. I'm speaking to the best of the best. I am Rappaport Stereo Podcast fans in prime time. It's PPP. A lot to talk about. Glad to be here. Rocking with the number one fans in the world. What can I say? Um, first of all, the great, and that term, the great, uh, is thrown around a lot. But Penny Marshall, uh, director of A League of Their Own, director of Big, actress from Happy Days, The Odd Couple, and of course, Laverne and Shirley, sister of Gary Marshall, director of Pretty Woman, um, who also passed away, and other things. Flamingo Kid, Gary Marshall directed it. Very talented, uh, the two of them. Uh, she passed away. Penny Marshall uh, passed away at 75 years old. Um, she's been getting a lot of love and tributes on social media, as she should. I first you know, became a fan of hers watching TV. Uh, Happy Days, The Odd Couple, and of course, Laverne and Shirley. Uh, that was the lineup when I was a kid, uh, Happy Days, and then it would be Laverne and Shirley. 
Um, I can't remember what time. It was either 8 and 8.30 or 9 and 9.30. And then, of course, she started directing films. Biggest hit being, I guess, the League of, a League of Their Own. I don't know which one was bigger. Big was huge with Tom Hanks. She did Awakenings with Robin Williams and Robert De Niro and a bunch of other films. I met her. I met Gary Marshall. Gary Marshall is the first legitimate person to give me. He didn't give me a break, uh, but he gave me acknowledgement. Uh, the, the first time, the very first time. I ever did stand-up comedy in Los Angeles, California. I did five minutes, five minutes of stand-up comedy in, uh, in in L.A. And this was probably 1991, 1990. I'm not Mr. Date Guy, and you know we don't fact check. But Gary Marshall uh, was at the Improv in Hollywood, where I've started doing stand-up again. Um, I was 21, if it was uh, 1991. I might have been 20. It might have been 1990, uh, 1990. Fuck, you know what? It's actually 1989. It was the summer of 1989. I'm bugging. I was 19. So the summer of 1989, the very first time I did stand-up comedy on a Sunday night, uh, which I don't know if Sunday nights are still popping for stand-up, but in the summertime, it probably is. In the summertime of 1989, I was doing stand-up comedy, and Gary Marshall was there director of Pretty Woman, huge fucking hit at the time, director of The Flamingo Kid with uh, Stickman Extraordinaire, Matt Dillon, low-key stealth Coxman. <laughs> Yo, Matty D uh, put it down. He put it down in the 80s and the 90s. I mean, he he, he put it down in the, in the fuck world. He's still single. But his 18th birthday was at Studio 54. He, he was late. He was a fucking star sex symbol. He was that dude. I saw him go to work when we were doing the movie Beautiful Girls. He would knock down everything in his path. Let me stay focused. But Gary Marshall and his assistant saw me do stand-up comedy. Um, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I had done stand-up comedy about five times, literally did five minutes, and I was... You know, I had a good personality. I didn't have a bit. I didn't have an act. I just talked shit. I mean, literally. Imagine me at 19 years old. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, but I had a lot of attitude, and I wasn't scared, which is uh, rule number one when you're uh, doing anything in the arts. You cannot be scared, and if you are scared, you have to be like Mike Tyson uh, coming into the ring during his prime, and you have to control your fucking fear. And when uh, it comes to stand-up comedy, controlling your fear means talk shit, or die trying. So um, afterwards, the show, this this girl, uh, his assistant, uh, came over to me and she's like, you know, I'm working with Gary Marshall. He was just here. He would love to meet you. And I'm like, Gary Marshall? Oh, shit, yeah. And so, you know, a couple of days later, I went to the Universal Studios lot, which was a big, you know, I went uh, a few years before that, before I was even thinking about doing stand-up, I went to the Universal Studios lot for the tour. You know, they have those tours. Now I had like a drive-on pass. I went there. I met Gary Marshall. Um, you know, he was doing a play reading for this play he was doing, which I can't remember the name of it. You know, he said, you know, you're talented. I was like, talented? I don't even know what I'm doing. Anyway, it, it made me feel like, you know, I, I was on to something with stand-up comedy. Uh, years later, I met Penny, and she was the same way. 
They're both New Yorkers from the Bronx. Penny Marshall was a New Yorker from the Bronx. She made you feel like she knew her. Now, to me, it's Laverne from Laverne and Shirley. It's the funny girl from Happy Days. It's uh, Oscar Madison's uh, assistant from uh, The Odd Couple. I'm tripping. She directed big. Couldn't be nicer. Couldn't be more welcoming. Couldn't be more regular like a New York woman. Funny. How you doing? Where are you from? You know, she had that kind of laid back, you know, sort of New York, real New York drawl. And she said, oh, I'm doing this and doing that. What are you up to? You should do this and that. And I, I first um, did business with Penny. I auditioned for this film called The Renaissance Man, which was an okay movie. It was a really good script, but it was like 1993. I think that movie came out. Again, I'm not, I am really not uh, Mr. Um, date Guy, but I think that movie came out in 1994. The auditions were probably in 1993, but it was a young cast. And we all auditioned. My man Lilo Broncado got the film, who was the star of uh, Bronx Tale. Uh, Kadeem Hardison was in it. Mark Wahlberg, I believe. Yeah, he was in it. Mark Wahlberg was in it. But all the young actors from that time, all of us, we all auditioned for that movie. I think Don Cheadle was at the auditions. It's the first time I met Wahlberg. He was cool as fuck. He was like the bad boy of... Hollywood at that time, he had just gotten into a fight. I remember at a Madonna party, it was all over the news the day after I met him. I think he had gotten arrested. I was like, well, fuck, you, how are you at this audition? Anyway, we auditioned for weeks and weeks and weeks at a time. My man Khalil Khan, who was in Juice, uh, the kid from Juice who, who wound up getting killed. I think he was the first person, Tupac, Bishop kills in Juice. It was cool. It was a really cool time. I didn't get the part. We were all sort of, the audition process for a film like that was... You know, you'd read for one part, then you'd read for another part, then they'd mix and match, and they'd have you improv and all that shit. Anyway, I didn't get the movie. It was a cool process, though. Um, I met Lilo. I met Wahlberg. It, it was cool. I was disappointed that I didn't get it, uh, but Penny was nice to everybody. You know, she called me and said, you know, I'm, I'm not going to have you in this, you know, and if we're going to work on something else. She would do that. She would call you, and you're, you know, she was sweet, and she would, she made me, you know, we're going to find something else. I want to work with you. I think you're great, and you like fuck, all right, cool, you know, Penny Marshall, she thinks I'm great, you know, it, it meant a lot, and she didn't need to call you, she didn't need to be nice, you know, we wanted the job, but she did do that, and she had a reputation for doing that, she had a reputation for going above and beyond, and, and, and being friendly to, uh, to actors, and people, um, and I, I remember I auditioned for her again, for this movie, that was an okay movie called Riding in Cars with Boys, which I don't think that was the original title. Um, I auditioned for her a bunch of times. James L. Brooks, one of the creators of, of course, The Simpsons, and he he's a director. He directed all kinds of shit. James L. Brooks. And James L. Brooks wrote broadcast news. He directed as good as it gets. Uh, no, he he directed it. Maybe he wrote it too. But he directed terms. He wrote terms of endearment. He's a fucking. He's a beast. He created The Simpsons. He, he's a fucking beast. But James L. Brooks was producing it. Penny was directing it. And um, I would go up to her house and I would audition with different actresses. I, I, I mean, all of them were there. I auditioned with, I remember I auditioned with Drew Barrymore. Um, I, uh, she who wound up doing the movie. Um, 
It, it was all sorts of people. And I would just go up there and read with Penny. We would read scenes together. She would ask me, what do you think of this scene? They would change the words. The late uh, Brittany Murphy, I remember I auditioned with her, actress. Um, I wound up not getting that movie either. Fuck. But the thing about Penny and working with her, she would call you and be like, listen, I'm going to go with someone else. You did a great job. It's not you, you know. It, it's just, you know, casting and all, la, la, la. We're going to work on something. Let's go to a Laker game. She took me to Laker games. She was a huge basket. Actually, took me to a Clipper game. Um, she was a huge basketball fan, had season tickets to the Clippers before the Clippers were even worth even going to see, before the Lamar Odom, Quentin Richardson Clippers. She always, her and Billy Crystal were like the Clippers fans. And, you know, she had a cool house. Um, she had a sick uh, sports memorabilia collection. I remember she showed me her room. She had all sorts of shit, like, you know, a bat signed by Ted Williams and old New York Yankee jerseys. I mean, I'm not talking about from the 70s. I'm going back to the 50s. And she also had a beautiful, dope art collection. Um, anyway, she was always cool with me, always nice, friendly to everybody, uh, warm to everybody, and and had this quality to to make me, to make you, to make me as a young actor feel like I was special and 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 to feel like I could do something in this business when she didn't have to. Uh, you know, you go into audition, 99.9% of the times you either get the part or you never hear from them again. And she would always, with me and, and other people, and I think that's why so many actors that she didn't even work with, and I never actually officially worked with her, uh, but those work sessions that I had on The Renaissance Man and riding in cars with boys, they meant a lot to me uh, to be working with someone that was so uh, uh, accomplished and so iconic. And I was such a fan of to have those work sessions uh, meant a lot. And it gives you confidence to, to, to go forward and to kick ass. Uh, so she's, she's going she's gonna to be missed. Uh, she's from a time uh, that doesn't exist. She's a Bronx girl. Uh, she's from a time in New York that doesn't exist anymore. And she's from a time in show business that doesn't exist anymore. So uh, all the all the shout outs that you're seeing from people that saying she was a friend and that she was good and she was this, that, the other. I could say from my experience, uh, I, I co-sign it to the fullest and uh, the late, great Penny Marshall will be missed. Miles, let me get some nice music here. Somebody who also passed... Lesser known, Galt McDermott, uh, composer, jazz musician, um, who scored the movie and the play Hair. You know, Hair, the Sunshine. Um, and also, strangely enough, is one of the most sampled musicians ever. Galt McDermott, the late Galt McDermott. He scored the movie Hell Up in Harlem. Uh... And, you know, he's just like sort of an obscure musician that did obscure music. I mean, he was sampled by everybody from Jay Dilla to MF Doom to Mad Lib um, and, and a lot of people. Miles, play a little, a little uh, Galt McDermott, Jay Dilla shit. Kind of unknown. I, I think he was Canadian, uh, but his shit was funky. 
It was weird, and there was something about his music. And to be honest with you, when you listen to it, you're like, how do these musicians, do these producers uh, find beats and, and find pieces that they want to sample? But, but some of the best really sort of beloved all his shit. And, and Galt McDermott is heavily sampled by some of the best. Uh, I think The Roots used them. Um, but he was definitely um, adored, and his music was lost a lot in, in hip-hop. Busta Rhymes. Check out his music. Uh, check out his music in hip-hop. Check out his music. Galt McDermott also passed away. Um, and speaking of passing away, um, not that I want him to pass away, um, but I want him to pass it away. I want him to pass it away. New York Knicks owner... Jazz musician, jazz and blues man. He calls himself a jazz and blues man. That little fuck, James Dolan, that little fuck who owns the Knicks, owns Radio City Musical, owns all kinds of shit, said that if the price was right, he would sell the Knicks. There's something about the way he said he would sell the Knicks that it's like he's almost, it would be a threat. James Dolan we don't like you. We don't see you as one of our own. If you sold the fucking Knicks, it would be the closest thing that New York Knicks fans would have as a parade, okay? We haven't won a championship since 1973. If you sold the Knicks, that would be the closest we have as a championship right now. Motherfuckers would be celebrating in the streets. Please sell the Knicks. Give us our ring. Give us our chip. Give us our championship. Give us a parade. Talking about $5 billion. Listen, I'm not saying the Knicks are worth $5 billion or not $5 billion, but can't we put together a GoFundMe? Is there some sort of think tank that could raise that kind of money or close to that kind of money and, and put somebody in charge and buy the Knicks from fucking James Dolan? Little fake game. What motherfucker walks around the garden in, in, in looking like he's a he's a he's an extra from Game of Thrones? He sits there and stares at the games, whether we're winning, not winning, losing, no matter what's going on on the court. Where Steph Curry could be playing, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, he's just looking miserable with his arms crossed. Sometimes like he's so bored, like he's holding in. Taking in a shit. Sell the fucking team. Please do us all a favor. You're not beloved. Like I said before, when the New York Knicks win a championship, and believe it or not, you haters, you fucks you, the New York Knicks, at some point, we will win a championship. The Cleveland Cavaliers won a fucking championship. The New York Knicks, the Mecca. Madison Square Garden, I don't care what you think I know. I've heard it all before. I've thought it myself. I understand. I get it. I get it. We haven't won shit. But it is called the city's game. I didn't make that up. You can't just say it's the city's game. Basketball is called the city's game and then say, oh, it's the Bay Area game. No, it doesn't work like that. Things don't work like that. You can't just take away the fact that basketball is called the city's game 
And Madison Square Garden is, in fact, the world's most famous arena. Fuck the Colosseum in Rome. Fuck the Colosseum in Rome. It's not as famous as Madison Square Garden. James Dolan, do us all a favor. Sell the garden. Sell the fucking Knicks. We will not miss you at all. Don't let the door from Madison Square Garden hit you on the way out. You know it's coming. You fuck you. I am Rappaport Podcast. What else is going on? If you're in Los Angeles Thursday night, I'll be at the Improv, the Hollywood Improv, uh, doing my stand-up. Um, anybody that's listening to the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast, this here primetime premium podcast that has come out or that wants to come out, if I see you, uh, if you if you say Dingo, if you say Mike Rap, I'll do my best. Say what's up. Come over, take a picture, chop it up with you for a little bit. I appreciate the support. Uh, as I said the other day, Saturday night at the Laugh Factory, there was a bunch of I Am Rapport kids in there giving love and support. There's been there's been motherfuckers at all the shows, even if it's just one person. When I mention Wheezy, they'll go Wheezy. They know. I know we speak the same language. I know, I know who, who fucks with me. I know who fucks with the podcast. And I know when, uh, uh, there, there's, uh, when I'm in friendly fire. What else is going on? I just watched this movie, Vice. Now, I, I, I've said it once. I've said it a million times. I don't know anything about politics. I, I don't claim to know anything about politics. Vice is the story of former vice president, Slick Dick Cheney. Uh, Chris, uh, Christian Bale, yeah, that's his name. Christian Bale, who's a really good actor, plays Dick Cheney. And it's about his life, about his life in politics, about some of his personal life. Um, I can't remember the director. Adam McKay, who's also a comedian, uh, co- comedy director. He's d- done a bunch of other shit. Listen, I'll, I'll give you my short review of it. I think the movie is, is you should go see it, but I didn't really like it. It's so biased. You can tell, uh, and I, I can't really judge anything because I don't know much about Slick Dick Cheney. Uh, I don't know the full story, but this this is like a... I have to say, it's like a propaganda piece. It's like a fucking propaganda piece. Uh, the, the performance is great. Sam Rockwell plays George Bush. Uh, Steve Carell is in it. Uh, Amy Adams is in it. Fucking Tyler Perry uh, was miscast as uh, Colin Powell. I, I don't think Tyler Perry's a good actor. I think Tyler Perry's a good filmmaker. Uh, I think his Medea movies are great. He's obviously a game changer, breakthrough dude, but I don't like him as an actor when he's not in his genre of films. His genre of films, he kills it. Motherfuckers make billions of dollars making movies. You could say they're trash. You could say they're not trash. You could say they're they're they're, they're candy. He's on to something. I respect him. I didn't like him as Colin Powell, um, but the movie Vice, I watched it. I have a fucking handful. I mean, I have a stack two handfuls of screeners, and we jumped into that one last night, and, and I didn't dig it. You know, as much as I, you, know, you motherfuckers know where I stand politically, I, I, if you're going to make a movie on a motherfucker, it, it's got to be some sort of unbiasedness. It can't just be a propaganda, you know, just bash piece. I don't get it. So, I mean, yeah, it's not a piece of shit, and I would say watch it. I just wouldn't say run out to the theater and watch it the way I said run out to the theater and watch Creed 2. I'm fair but firm. I'm fair but firm when it comes to my movie reviews. Okay? And, and if I'm going to speak on a movie, uh, I'm going to speak on it as, as, as fairly 
and firmly and as intelligently uh, that I possibly can. You know what's dope? On Showtime, Escape from Dan Mora. There is a miniseries, I think it's seven parts or eight parts, miniseries on Showtime that was directed by Ben Stiller, starring Benicio Del Toro, Patricia Arquette, um, and that actor Paul Dano, and, and some other actors that are all killing it. And it's a true story based on something that we covered diligently on the I Am Rappaport Stereo podcast. A few years ago, you're going to remember this story, two prisoners. One of them, I think, was a convicted murderer. They might be both convicted murderers. You're probably saying, well, if you're watching the the Showtime series, why don't you know all the details? I I don't fact check. I know one of them is a convicted murderer. Anyway, uh, the two convicted uh, felons, one I believe is a murderer, escaped from a prison in upstate New York. I believe the town is called Danmora. The prison is definitely called Dan Mora, um, and they had been fucking one of the people, a woman who worked in the prison, two of them. They were both plugging her, um, and she aided and abided their escape. They escaped. I believe one of them was shot down and killed. The other one was captured. He was shot and captured, and the woman's husband also worked in the prison. It was a crazy story. We talked about it uh, on the podcast, and... It's a dope series on Showtime, a miniseries. Benicio Del Toro, as always, crushes it, kills that shit. Paul Dano, uh, who was in that movie um, with... Um, the fuck is the name of that movie with, with, with Daniel Day-Lewis? I'll remember that movie with Daniel Day-Lewis. Fuck. There Will Be Blood. The name of the movie was There Will Be Blood. And what else was he in? He was in that movie with Jake Gyllenhaal. I think it was called... He's a creepy actor. He's a good actor, but he plays creeps. He actually doesn't really play a creep in uh, Escape from Danmore. And when I say a creepy actor, I, I say that in a good way. He, he's really good at playing the creeps. He doesn't play a creep in this movie. Jesus Christ. Got to be fucking worried about everybody getting upset about everything, which we're going to get to later in this here podcast. He was in Little Miss Sunshine. He was dope in that. And he was also in 12 Years a Slave. He's a, he's a dope actor, young up in chemistry. He's probably 30 now. I don't fucking know. But he's in it. And Patricia Arquette is in it, and she plays the prison guard. She's not a guard. She plays the worker in the prison. And Patricia Arquette, who, of course, I worked with on True Romance, she just won an Oscar for This Boy's Life, not This Boy's Life, about a boy. She won an Oscar. This is the best thing she's done in her whole career. I would say this and True Romance, and it's obviously 30 years later, 20-something years later, so it's a totally different character, but she's all fucking in. Give her every single award. She's all in. Kills the shit. And the dude who plays her husband kills it. They all kill it. I love it. Um, it's fun. Ben Stiller directed it. Um, and if you have Showtime or Showtime On Demand or at Showtime or whatever fucking way you stream, watch things, Escape from Dan Moore. Uh, is fun, it's dope, and the acting is sick, and Patricia Arquette, give her the trophies. She's the MVP of, of, of this series uh, amongst a bunch of dope other actors. I am Podcast. So speaking of sensitivity and everybody being fucking sensitive, well, before I get to that, I got some people that said, yo, Mike Rapp, why'd you let Mr. Morris come on the podcast? I literally had 
some people DM me, and I'm not going to name them, say, why'd you let Mr. Morris come on the podcast? Uh, or why'd you only let Mr. Morris come on the podcast? They didn't diss Mr. Morris. Longtime fan of the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast, like a bunch of you. I don't play favorites. Mr. Morris came out to the improv with Andy Frasco, who's another fan of the show. They came to watch me do stand-up. I know those dudes. He came on the podcast. Yo, I love all the fans. Sincerely. I don't think you understand how much we appreciate all the fans. Long-time listeners, people that have been listening since two weeks ago, two years ago, three weeks ago, or three years ago. I'm in the gloom tomb right now by myself recording this primetime podcast. If the fans, you guys, didn't listen, you know what they would do with me? They'd rubber room me. I'd be a crazy person. You're recording into a microphone that inevitably no one's listening to. Lock this freak up. Lock him up. Give him that one flew over the cuckoo's nest treatment. Give him that shock therapy and send him on his fucking way. The fans of the I Am Rappaport Stereo podcast are everything. If I see you, if you say anything that has to do with the podcast, you get love, you get a pound, you get a picture, you get a little conversation, you get a selfie, whatever the fuck you want. If you fuck with the I Am Rappaport Stereo podcast and I see you, you mention something about the podcast on social media, you get love back 99.9% of the time. Sure, sometimes it's going to get missed. Well, then keep hitting me. But if I see you in real life, you get pounds, you get daps. If I see you at the big three, you get pounds, you get daps. Try to give you, because I, I fuck with the fans. Again, if I'm talking into a microphone in the gloom tomb just to myself, then we need to put me in shock therapy. Speaking of fans, my guy John Koodling, who's on Twitter, on Instagram, long, long time fan, he hit me up with a funny joke since this Pete Davidson thing, who, by the way, uh, was in TMZ again this week, I mean this morning, whole thing in TMZ saying that friends of Pete Davidson said that he's still not well. And I say with friends like that who needs enemies, with friends like that, who needs enemies? Because if your friends are talking to people when you're down, they're not your friends. They're not your clique. They're not your crew. Kick them the fuck out. Okay? Kick them the fuck out. That being said, my guy John, he was hitting me up about uh, Ariana Grande. We were going back and forth talking shit. Now, just because it's a woman doesn't mean I'm shaming her. Doesn't mean I'm degrading to women. When I talk shit about Donald Trump, dick stain Donald Trump, when I talk shit about cockeyed Kellyanne Conway, when I talk shit about Laura Ingram, also women, when I talk shit about Melania Trump, when I talk shit about all the Trumps, Dick Stain Jr., Ivanka, all of them, I am coveted and beloved as a fucking hero. When I talk shit about people that a lot of people on social media don't like, whether it's a man or a woman, when I talk shit about Tiki Torch tough guys and dorm room dumb fucks down in Virginia who are saying, uh, you will not replace us, men and women, I'm a social media hero. 
I make a joke about Ariana Grande. I'm offensive to all women. Fuck all that. Fuck all that. Fuck all that. When I talk shit on the front line, and I don't just tweet it, I put my face on wax. My face is on video. My voice is on video. Disrespecting the leader of the free world. Motherfuckers are hashtagging me, protect Michael Rappaport at all costs, retweeting me, love you, all this kind of shit. And then I make a joke about Ariana Grande and I'm offensive and that you should delete that. Suck my motherfucking dick, snowflakes. I said it from the beginning and I'll say it till the motherfucking wheels fall. I am here to talk that shit. Disruptive behavior 101. I patent the motherfucking shit. Stay disruptive. Stay disruptive. Stay disruptive. You can't have it both ways. I got no agenda except to talk shit. That's my only agenda. I said it from the beginning. You can't have it both ways. Oh, you get offended because I said about Ariana Grande? My guy John hit me up with a funny joke about Ariana Grande. He said... And I told him I'm stealing this. Ariana Grande's a fucking, she's a dingbat. You take off those boots, she hides her legs in, the cat eye makeup and the genie ponytail. And there's hotter chicks working at the counter at Starbucks. No disrespect to the beautiful women that work at Starbucks, but you know what I'm saying. She's just a regular chick. Yes, she could sing. She's talented. Me saying that doesn't demise or take away from her talent. We know she's talented. Obviously, it's a joke, talking shit. They're saying, oh, the Arianators, I think that's the name of her crew. They're going to come get you. Come, come, come on, man. Come get me. I'm 48. The fuck you going to do, you little 14-year-olds? They're going to body bag you. No, they ain't doing shit to me. Gringo Mandingo. 15 rounds, the deep, deep waters. They, they've never even seen a fight, a boxing match when 15 rounds existed. They only know 12 rounds. They don't know about 13, 14, 15, those motherfucking concussion rounds. That's when you walk away with that brain damage. I'm ready to go in the deep waters, just like Apollo Creed did against Rocky and Rocky 1 and Rocky 2. The deep waters. We're not doing it how we did Clubber Lang and Rocky 3, three-round brawl. This ain't Tommy Hearns. First Marvin Hagler, we're going into the deep, deep, deep water. 15 motherfucking rounds of powerful Smash Mouth podcasting. I am Rappaport Stereo Podcast, my social media. When I talk shit about dick staying Donald Trump and the Tiki Torch dumb fucks, I'm a motherfucking hero. But a joke about Ariana Grande wearing a genie ponytail and too much makeup, I'm a bad guy. Kiss my fucking ass. She can get it too, and so can her fans. When I talk shit about LeBron James, I'm the greatest thing since fucking sliced bread to some people. When I talk shit about not knowing who the fuck Christoph Porzingis is, I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. When I'm screaming at ugly cats, I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread, but I can't make a joke about Ariana Grande. Fuck all that. I make a comment about Ariana Grande not wearing makeup. Show a picture of her not wearing makeup. People are criticizing me. I ain't Brad Pitt. I never said I was Brad Pitt. I know what it is. 
I know what it is. 15 rounds of podcast shit talking. That's what this is. I can give it and I can take it. That's how you make it into the 15th round. Like Jake LaMotta said to Sugar Ray Robinson in the 15th round. You never got me down, Ray. You never got me down. You fuck you. Huh? Think about that. See, I am Rapport Stereo Podcast in prime time. Best fans in the business. The best I am Rapport Stereo Podcast fans. Miles Jordan, take us out of here with something real nice, something real proper, but take us out of here with something inspiring. I'm done. Sit, finish. Thank you. Next. <laughs> See, that's an Ariana Grande shout out.